Thank you, Kelly. Uh, good afternoon, folks, and thank you for joining us. Uh, my name is Kevin Quisenberry. I'm an attorney with the Community Justice Project. I'm in our Pittsburgh office. Um, and we have a group of people assembled here today to talk with you about um, complementary projects that we're working on together right now during this pandemic. Um, the idea being that um, we've pulled together a really great team of people that includes legal aid attorneys, from CJP and NLS uh, and community groups uh, here in our Allegheny County, our Pittsburgh area, uh, who have spent much time over the years uh, helping our clients, uh, you know, avoid evictions, advocate for affordable housing, um, and coalesce around campaigns uh, to push policy within the city, among other things. Um, you know, and our experience working together with legal aid attorneys really plugging in with and working with community groups uh, has been very rewarding for me. And, uh, you know, it's proven itself to us uh, that there's real value uh, in plugging in and working in that kind of way. We can oftentimes get more done. We can get better results, bigger results, uh, and improve outcomes for our clients with advocacy that we work on together with the others in our communities who are working with client groups than us lawyers ever could do on our own. Um, so we're going to pass the mic around and hear from folks. Uh, let me give two minutes of framing and then I'll pass the microphone over. Um, most of us on this call have worked together pretty closely over the past several years in Pittsburgh, uh, advocating with local government folks, foundation folks, uh, and others, the court, uh, to try to address the eviction crisis and the affordable housing crisis that has been developing over time in the city. Um, it's multi-pronged. There are a number of campaigns that we've participated on together with. Uh, and on the eviction front, uh, you know, we've come to realize over time that two of the key most powerful things we can do as lawyers in legal aid for our clients or as advocates and community groups who want our clients to try to avoid those evictions uh, is to make the pathway to resources available and accessible for those tenants uh, and to get those tenants lawyers who can help them defend themselves in eviction hearings. And so as COVID erupted uh, and, you know, as the CARES Act funding became available to us programs, you know, in the plan network, um, we put our heads together quickly uh, to think about the work we've been doing already, the uh, environment, you know, and the players in town uh, and tried to come up with a project to use that funding to the greatest effect to prevent evictions during the pandemic. And so what we came up with is neighborhood legal services applied uh, for a chunk of that funding to beef up the attorneys uh, in their program who can be available now to represent tenants in eviction proceedings. Uh, and CJP applied for money to pass along to our community group partners for them to recruit and manage uh, you know, train up and uh, supervise a core of resource navigators. Um, we luckily plan, you know, had that funding for us and we, we've built a program since about mid-June and launched it after the first week of July and have been building it out since uh, and are hoping to really have an impact, uh, you know, on the tenants in our community to help them get through this crisis without being displaced from their homes. So the first person I want to turn it over to is Carol Hardeman. 
Uh, Carol's a longtime housing advocate and very good friend of ours. Uh, she's a very inspiring person and the work that she does is incredible. She's the executive director for the Hill District Consensus Group. Thank you, Kevin. And thanks everyone for inviting me to this wonderful panel. Um, I think this is um, the beginning of a new relationship. As Kevin said, I am the executive director of the Hill District Consensus Group here in Pittsburgh in the historical Hill District community. Um, feel free to Google us and find out more about our community because I am very proud to say not only am I from Pittsburgh but from the Hill District. Um, to begin the consensus group our mission is to advocate and uh, work on policies around human rights and social justice and so we work on a variety of things that kind of defile and violate African-Americans and people of color and immigrants and poor people and just everyone in general. And so our biggest project, although we work on a lot of projects uh, regarding housing, healthcare, transportation, and so on, our biggest project is housing. And so the consensus group has been at it for many years. Um, we have a master plan within the Hill District, and we uh, also work with other groups similar to ours. And so we have a couple of our own policies. One of the biggest ones that consensus group really worked on was Build First and Don't Displace. And also we've been working on a couple of community land trusts and so on. And this project really relates to um, and not even relate is so important because the consensus group has also been working on a right to counsel um, law or some kind of policy where low income renters can get legal help at no charge to them um, right now um, or over a year ago or two years ago i would say we've been working on that and um, I would say that people are still getting evicted, even though we're trying to put the right policies in the right places. And so this is a beginning of a, a great relationship because we joined up and reached back to Kevin and different ones on the call to build a um, help desk to deter evictions. And so I just look forward to continuing to work with everyone. I hope this will turn into a right to counsel um, policy for the people of Pittsburgh. And thank you again for having me. I would like thank to- you, Carol. Yes, I'm sorry. I was going to introduce Guillermo, but you could go ahead. And please, please do it. Okay. Um, Another wonderful partner we have, he's the executive director, and I'm not going to give his bio, I'm going to let him give his own bio, and his name is Guillermo. Thank you, Carol. Um, I am Guillermo Velasquez. I am the executive director of the Pittsburgh Hispanic Development Corporation. 
Uh, we are a community development organization uh, located in, in Pittsburgh, but we serve the greater Pittsburgh area. So we're not just focused with one uh, neighborhood because Hispanics are basically everywhere. So we could be help, uh, helping somebody in one neighborhood and then in another neighborhood. We have uh, three main programs. Um, but before I tell you about the three main programs, I'm gonna talk to you about the mission. But the Hispanic Corporation was founded uh, in the beliefs that uh, there was a need for an organization that can help Hispanics in the area to have a better life. And so we believe that better life can be accomplished through different, through different things, different activities, and, and that there's equity you know, in anything that happens uh, in the region. Uh, so in that respect, we have three main programs. Um, our biggest program has been a business incubator, so we help uh, Hispanic entrepreneurs uh, to start their companies. As of today, we have helped 97 Hispanics to start their companies. And um, we also have a, an employment program. Uh, the employment program is basically for those that are trying to relocate to Pittsburgh and do not know how to navigate. So there's always a cultural component, a language uh, issue. So um, we help people in that respect. Many of those uh, where we find a, an opportunity to get a, a, an interview, we don't want them to send them blank. We want to make sure that they're prepared for uh, that opportunity. And then we have our housing program, which, which lately has been basically growing exponentially. Um, the housing program has been in existence for over three years. Um, the main uh, uh, role of the program is to provide access for housing to Hispanics, uh, whether it's rental or ownership. And so uh, we work with Hispanics to understand what that means. Um, and, um, a lot of the Hispanic families that move to Pittsburgh, they encounter difficulties because they, many of them have, have not been born in the U.S. Uh, they don't have uh, credit history or things like of that. So we, what we do is identify landlords. Uh, we call them flexible, flexible landlords that basically are willing uh, to waive the credit reports and the criminal background uh, uh, things that, you know, that they require. So thanks to that, uh, thanks to our efforts and the partnership with our landlords and real estate companies, we have been able to place uh, 39 families in houses that otherwise it would have been perhaps impossible. Now we we work with uh, organizations like the Community Justice Project because sometimes the the families encounter encounter difficulties whether it's uh, labor related or housing conditions. So. In a way, we have already been in contact and, and collaborating. This um, uh, program that came in place uh, was very important to us because since COVID-19 started, um, we have been applying uh, to grants for foundations. And um, we received some funds and we have been able to help 49 families to pay rent out of foundation money. And of course, now we are part of the uh, rental assistance program. And this program also is very important because there's so many families that need assistance and that there is money out there to actually help them. Uh, in, in our partnership with Community Justice Project and the Health District Consensus Group, uh, you know, we value that. Uh, the Hispanic Corporation itself has processed uh, 108 inquiries to date, of which uh, 50 of those have already been completed with the Allegheny County. 
and two of those have been uh, mortgage applications. So as you can see, you know, the number of families that we're impacting and, and that we are serving is important to the region. I think these people have an economic impact and I think uh, organizations and partnerships like these are very key and important, not just to serve people, but also to drive an economic region and making sure that everyone has an opportunity. Thank you, Guillermo. I wanna jump in and say just a couple of words. Um, you know, as we came together uh, to build out this project, uh, the Hill District Consensus Group and the Pittsburgh Hispanic Development Corporation were two very natural partners uh, for us to plug in with because they are serving clients directly in where they're meeting their clients where their clients are at. Uh, and, and they're providing, you know, round holistic services for those clients, including navigating them for help of all kinds, uh, food, housing, healthcare, mental health, um, you know, and in our, in our county, in Allegheny County, as in most places, you know, we have the government pathways to resources, you know, for tenants and for others in need. Uh, and in our experience in Allegheny County, um, you know, those pathways are difficult to navigate. There are hurdles, uh, there are brick walls, uh, their communication often is not very good. And, you know, tenants uh, and others really struggle, you know, to get from point A down to point C or D uh, where, they, where they can actually get, you know, some of that assistance that's available. And so the couple of things that we wanted to do with this project, you know, one is to really fund and prove the value of funding community groups to do this work who are already doing it. Um, you know, us lawyers, you know, we play an advisory role. We help case, you know, consult on cases that arise. Uh, there will be undoubtedly litigation, you know, that flows from clients uh, who come in for resource navigation assistance. Um, you know, but we also want to improve the systems. We want to be able to um, become expert at this and have a core group of community groups who are expert at this. So we can really reflect to the city and to the county uh, where those stumbling blocks and those you know, potholes and obstacles are uh, and try to really improve these systems. Um, you know, and our, our firm belief is you know, community groups who are doing the work on a de facto sort of basis are the right people to be right in the middle of this. Um, I wanna turn it over to Crystal Jennings, Ann Wright and Swain Uber uh, to really talk for a bit about uh, this project and how, you know, because these three folks are right in the middle of uh, implementing it and making it work. Uh, let me start with Crystal. Uh, can, can you jump in there? Sure. Hi, everybody. Nice to uh, Zoom meet you. My name, is <coughs> My name is Crystal Jennings. I am one of the resource navigators for Rent Help PGH, and I'm also um, a part of the admin team. And I love being a part of this team because these were um, almost everybody that supported our team I was already working with. Um, and we are, uh, a lot of us are the boots on the ground here in the city of Pittsburgh. And we try our best to help our residents. Um, so a little bit of um, our story is that, again, like Kevin has stated, we started back in June, 2020. And um, we focus in three areas. One is CMS, which is customer management software, which my colleague Ann Wright will um, talk to you about. 
Um, another part is about um, how we go about recruiting or resource navigators and training the resource navigators. Um, so we pretty much, at the beginning of it, we pretty much just use a lot of or um, other community um, at navig navigators or community advocates to get us started. Um, as we have grown over the, f over the couple months, uh, we have noticed that we are in need of other and additional resource navigators. So now we have um, approximately 20 volunteers and we are still hiring for resource navigation. The way we go about that, we have just put up on um, nonprofittalent.com or org. Um, we have been sending it out to other community advocates and community organizations to try to find the best as Ms. Carroll will call them, soldiers, to help us with this um, recruiting process with um, helping residents that are in desperate need at this time. Um, and then we train them. So training is approximately about three hours. And um, we just go over the platform, which is Rent Help PGH. And we go over how to navigate that, how to input communication logs. We go over how to um, identify the needs of the residents that are calling in for services and how to coordinate that and how to connect them to resources. Um, we definitely are very passionate about the work that we do. A lot of us work constantly, endlessly on this project. Um, it's definitely dear to all of our hearts. And our goal is to really just help individuals. We already, so what COVID has done, COVID has um, magnified the ne necessary need of what we're doing um, what we our, our main goal is um, to show funders that the smaller grassroots organizations that you're not willing to put a lot of a bigger buck in our budget to help us do the work you put it in larger budgets example 211 um bigger bigger people like that i'm not gonna name them all but what ends up happening is 211 they just refer them back to us anyway so we're already always doing the work we've been doing the work but now with the help of you guys and the help of this team we are now able to show the work with rent help pgh platform and now i'm going to kick it off to Anne wright my colleague the best best Anne wright go for it um thanks crystal You're welcome. yeah um so i've been uh my, my name is Anne wright i work at the cmu create lab we're a community technology empowerment lab um, our mission is to work with community to help them um, be able to pursue their mission more powerfully um, through uh, creation of tools. I've mostly been doing that in the form of maps. Um, but when this got started, um, it was clear that, that there was something else that was needed. And Crystal mentioned a um, customer management system. So we built a custom uh, system uh, based on um, a platform called Airtable where, where people can register um, and they can um, you know, tell us something about what their situation is and then uh, we kind of co-evolve that with the call center so that there's, uh, if people, for people who want to self-register, they can go to Rent Help PGH online and self-register. Uh, if they feel more comfortable talking to somebody, they can um, uh, call the phone number. We have a um, English language help desk led by Abby Raylacombe um, and uh, uh, Guillermo and his um, colleagues at P Pittsburgh Hispanic Development Corporation run um, their own 
a help desk as well, which is um, additionally able to work with people who are uh, Spanish or Portuguese speakers. So we put both of those uh, phone numbers on the website and on our materials and flyers. Um, and the people who get in contact with us via you know, either method, um, we then, um, the folks in the, in the call center will triage and try to figure out um, you know, how best to route them to a, to a navigator. And we started, as Crystal mentioned, with just one uh, kind of pool of navigators who were already uh, people working in the community that, that we were already um, in contact with. Um, and then we realized that we needed to kind of branch out. And so um, Abby, Ray, and Crystal have been working on training up additional groups of uh, volunteers and, and uh, community groups to be able to augment um, and, you know, either topically, so for instance, uh, groups that are specifically um, trained to deal with the CARES RRP applications because we, we found that, that our more general purpose navigators were being so bogged down by the, the barriers and, and documentation requirements on that program that we needed a bigger pool of people just to, to deal with that specific issue um, for the clients. Um, and uh, we have also, um, community partners that are kind of geography based. So for instance, uh, Civically in Wilkinsburg, uh, Lawrenceville Corporation in Lawrenceville, um, a number of other organizations that have been uh, training their staff and volunteer pools in uh, how to use the RentHelp PGH platform, uh, how to do resource navigation. Um, and then additionally, we've also been working with um, other parts of the system. So 211, Allegheny Link, United Way, URA, um, the uh, Action Housing, um, County DHS, um, you know, lot, lots of different players to uh, try to um, kind of debug the systems and to try to be able to um, have frank conversations with them about the ways that the processes are not working for the clients who are, you know, it's like, why did they end up with us instead of, you know, having their needs served by the bigger players? And that provides um, a really powerful kind of feedback mechanism and, and sort of, you know, engine for um, negotiating change, um, you know, um, motivated by specific um, experiences that we're uh, finding that the clients are having, but then um, adding to that sort of systemic um, discussions of, you know, can we improve referral processes? Can we, um, you know, have the a modification of the of of, you know, the ways that the programs are being implemented? Um, and the the um, the combination of that, I think, has been very powerful. So the you know the, the individuals come to us getting the, the help they need, but also paving the path better for the next folks who come along. Um, and we've been doing the same sort of work um, uh, with NLS um, and our other sort of, you know, more direct partners as well, um, you know, negotiating, you know, kind of how, how can we have kind of this combined system serve the, the uh, kind of wraparound needs of folks most powerfully and having uh, navigators and, um, and the lawyers be able to work, you know, increasingly fluently together. Um, so, you know, I think it's been a, been a, a really powerful experience and we're, you know, we're, we're, um, you know, working hard every day and it keeps evolving. We were the, one of the phrases that the um, person at the county uses is that we're building the bike while we're riding it with respect to the RRP program. 
And it's like, it's not just that. We, you know, we started out building the bike while we were riding it, and then we had to turn it into a car, and then we had to turn it into a bus, and now we have to turn it into a train. And, you know, the, the CDC declaration comes along, and, you know, we've got to, got to retool for that. And um, I'll talk about that more in a bit. But, um, but yeah, so, I, you know, I, I really appreciate the support of the plan network in, in getting this going and all of the, all of the partners who've, you know, been um, fulfilling, you know, just a wide variety of roles in, in making this work. Thank you so much, Dan. And Swain Uber uh, is a new attorney with CJP. Uh, he's also a stellar uh, part of our team. Uh, he's so dedicated uh, and smart and spending a ton of time, you know, helping us other attorneys make sure we're staying on top of the constantly evolving, uh, you know, changes with the moratoria, the CDC declaration, the RRP process. Um, a lot of the housing folks on this call uh, will know our Friday conversations, uh, trying to figure out how are we going to deal with this week's crisis with the RRP program or whatnot. Uh, you know, Swain is helping us uh, bring all of that stuff down to the navigators so that they can implement it in a real way for the benefit of tenants uh, and helping us also identify, you know, where those other problems and, and issues are. Um, Swain? Yeah. Uh Hey everyone, that was a bit more glowing than I would normally like. Um, but I, the, I only have one thing to add. I think both Crystal and Ann did an exceptional job uh, describing the program, specifically the Rentel PGH resource navigation side of things. Um, but I, I, and, and touched on it, but I really do think uh, the fundamental difference here is the relationships and the connections that are being built and facilitated and developed between not, not only amongst our close partners, such as, you know, Neighborhood Label Services, the Hill District Consensus Group, uh, Pittsburgh Hispanic Development Corporation, et cetera, and the, the organizations we work directly with, but specifically with the actual resource providers, the uh, politicians and the various other individuals who are actually making decisions relating to these programs, especially at a local level. Um, one of the things that we're seeing most clearly is the gaps and where we know there need to be programs or cleaner handoffs between different organizations or processes that can handle the specific type of, you know, does, does this apply to supersedious or does it not? Can it be used to pay for this you know, in the situation of that? These are conversations that um, used to either not happen at all or only happen within specific silos. And I think one thing that, that's been really incredible working with this group of uh, partners is that we're able, we're, we're, we're bridging those gaps. And, and I think that's, that's one of the most exciting aspects of all of this. It's just, it is a more holistic model that doesn't just leave community groups out there. doesn't just have lawyers over here talking about it. doesn't just have the social service providers, you know, thinking that they, they, they can operate on their own. It's about bringing everyone, you know, to the metaphorical Zoom table now. Um, but, but it really is that constant and openness and engagement has been uh, what I've seen as the most successful outcome of this so far. Thank you, Kevin, Sorry, yes. this is Kelly. I just need to launch the first CLE poll boxes here. Um, the poll box will be open for two minutes. If you're an attorney requesting CLE credit, please respond now. And Kevin, please feel free to continue. Okay. Um, just to pick up on what Swain was saying, um, 
one of the great benefits of us legal aid attorneys working with you know community groups uh, and pulling in as many as we can you know to get to know each other better and work more deeply you know together is you know everyone gets to know each other and everyone you know uh, sees what we're doing you know and it helps to break down barriers uh, you know that we've experienced historically over time you know with city folks county folks you know other folks um, you know they look at us what I'm trying to say is by participating in a group as a team they look at us lawyers <laughs> a lot more favorably uh, and they're a lot more willing to deal with us and listen to us uh, and we think we got good ideas because we're lawyers you know but uh, you know being able to get to those policymakers, decision makers, uh, is often a struggle, you know. And uh, but the community groups are in a totally different, you know, framework than that, um, you know. And I think it brings credibility and uh, you know helps to open barriers on both sides, um, you know. And the more people we have pulled in and worked really closely with on this project, the more we're doing and the more we're getting done. Uh, I want to turn it back over to Ann for a bit. Uh, to talk about another element of this project that has grown out of our collaboration together. Um, and I'll steal a little bit of the punchline to say, you know, we're trying to develop a system where we can touch base with tenants as early as possible, uh, as soon as they get sued for eviction, make them aware of our resource navigation project, of neighborhood legal services, of pathways uh, that we can help them uh, navigate so that they can get resources and assistance to try to defend themselves and avoid those evictions. Um, Anne is a genius. <laughs> That's maybe too glowing, she'll say too, but you know, she is so, so good at helping us uh, think systematically uh, you know, about how to do these things. Um, and she's even coined a, a phrase for this part of our project, uh, which is we are trying to create an, an eviction rapid response program. Uh, you know, where all of us, you know, partners working together uh, can really, you know, reach out to as many folks as we can and, and try to avoid these adverse outcomes that we all care about for our clients. Um, thanks, Kevin. And uh, Swain convinced me I should show you all some slides to, to, to frame this. Uh, so if you look at this blue line here, this is Allegheny County. There's been about 14,000 evictions a year pretty stably since 2012. Um, and if we look at the filings per week, it's got a very strong seasonal pattern. And prior to 2012, it's a little bit lower, but it's basically gone here and just stayed there. Um, and so this is the, the dark line here is the average from 2012 to 2019. The red is 2020. So it started out matching the pattern. Then there was the first county moratorium and the, the filings fell to zero for a while. And then during the state moratorium, it hovered around 15 a week. And then this is the end of the state moratorium. And this was, this was, in the, this was done in the middle of the, the, the first week of September. So this is from September 4th. Um, and there were 255 filings that week, um, 188 of them in a single day. Um, and so they, the, um, and that was the day that the CDC moratorium was, meant, was, was first talked about and to take effect on the 4th. Um, and then, um, you know, if we look at, you know, kind of, the, the cases, so the, the original moratorium, the county moratorium, prevented the progression of cases. So there were 479 
active cases filed in a you know, kind of a bell curve of weeks leading up to the, the county moratorium, they were kind of frozen in amber. So we had a time where we could you know, look at that very closely and prepare. Um, and we expected that when the county moratorium ended, you know, these would be, would be processed through and then we'd hit the wall when the, when the state moratorium ended. Um, thankfully, the state moratorium was extended, which helped. Um, but if you look at these blue bars, this represents the difference between the historical pattern of evictions and what actually happened because of the moratorium. And so the question was, is this kind of back pressure of plaintiffs all sort of itching to, to evict their tenants? And how does the unemployment and the, the you know, sort of just general um, um, additional economic consequences of COVID, um, how does that relate to, you know, what would, compared to what would happen in a normal year? Um, and so if we, if we look at just, you know, if the same, you know, if the same 14,000 number uh, ends up for 2020 as there was, you look at the back pressure, then when the state moratorium ended, you would expect, you know, a flood of filings and it would, it would reach a, a crescendo of around 4,000 active cases if the courts could go at the maximum speed they ever had, which they can't. Um, and so, you know, how are we going to have this not just like make everything, um, you know, really terrible? Then the CDC order happened. We didn't know what was going to happen. What we have seen happen is that it, the, on the fourth, when it took effect, there were only eight filings, but then it went up into the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, the 60s. And for the last two days, it's been in the 30s. So we're hopeful that by getting, um, getting to people that we can, we can keep that down. But what we've been doing is we've been distributing the, the CDC declaration to everybody who has a hearing coming up, and we've been reaching out and calling them um, and we've been sending um, uh, volunteers to the MDJs to, to actually, um, um, you know, both for the folks who we called and, and convinced them to go to their hearings so that they would have, would have the ability to get a physical copy, but then also the people we weren't able to reach to be able to have a conversation with them and say, you know, have you heard about the CDC declaration? Here's what it is. Here's what it's about. Um, and so we have, a, we have a flyer for eviction outreach um, and our flyer for resource navigation. Um, and you can think of eviction outreach as sort of being the, um, the, the process of taking the, the folks who uh, have eviction filings already and trying to route them towards the, the type of resources that the resource navigation can help with. Um, and technically the way it works is that we have a scraper which every day I, I kick off to scrape the eviction docket and to update the air table with all of the, the, the new cases and all the changes in the existing cases we have a workflow for getting complaint forms, uh, which is the only way to get the actual addresses because the addresses are not in the docket. It only has municipality and zip code. We have another, and this is a, you know, group, of, a group of volunteers who are helping with this, plus um, um, uh, Jess at CJP, who, is, who runs the fax machine and, and the coordinates with the MDJs and is just you know, critical to all of this. I'm eternally grateful to her. Um, and then we have another group of volunteers doing phone number lookup and then actually reaching out and calling the defendants and then we have a team mailing to defendants. And so this whole thing is, is orchestrated you know, by taking the, the, um, the eviction, uh, sorry, the, the, the docket system, which isn't really designed to be able to even ask the question like where, well, you know, who was being evicted? You can't ask it. All you can ask is give me all the cases that were filed in this period. So it does that. It asks and then it takes the, the subset that are evictions and it grabs the, the PDF dockets and it puts it into an air table where we have a number of processes to do triaging uh, and workflows for those other 
uh, process I talked about in terms of getting the addresses, the phone numbers, the outreach, the mailings. Um, and if we look at, and you know, th this was, this was um, you know, a while ago, it's much, much higher now, this is before September 1st, but we can actually see kind of the density of where the, the uh, cases are happening and, and you know, when they're happening and, um, and looking at you know, how to get kind of the right message, the right messages out, how to par partner with the right um, community organizations to be able to best reach the people, you know, especially in the areas with, with um, high densities of filings. Um, and then Rent Help PGH, which you heard mentioned before, um, is kind of the piece that, you know, if we can get the person in need of services in touch with us, then the resource navigator can help them navigate through this, this big web of services and people who provide the services and organizations who the people work for who provide the services um, and be able to help them understand um, um, and, and you know, sort of facilitate the communication, facilitate the interaction uh, and be able to, to take kind of experience from having done it before and help, it, help additional folks with that. Um, and so, um, you know, we are, are really grateful to the, the partnership um, of, the, uh, of, of CJP and um, the, our other partners um, in making this work. And it's that, that um, you know, if we only had eviction rapid response and we didn't have, um, you know, Rent Help PGH in the navigation program, we wouldn't have anything useful to, to direct the people to. If we only had Rent Help PGH and we didn't have eviction rapid response, then how are we gonna reach the people who are actually having evictions? But the fact that we have both of these up and running and, and you know, we're co coordinating very closely. I mean, it's a lot is the same people, you know, it's, you know, me and, me, me and, me and Swain are, are, are you know, uh, in, in, in both groups, you know, trying to figure out, you know, how do we get volunteers and, and call them and every, and, and, you know, deal with the, deal with them and everything, um, as well as, as, as plenty of other folks who are, who are supportive on one side or the other. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's really exciting. It is really, really exciting. And, you know, one of the beauties of, you know, CJP and the community groups being able to work together uh, to outreach to tenants, try to plug in with them once we know uh, they've been sued for eviction, uh, is none of us are LSC funded. The community groups aren't, CJP isn't, uh, and we don't have a problem soliciting and reaching out and trying to connect those tenants for rental assistance and other help, but also legal assistance. You know, we can talk up neighborhood legal services all day long. We can tell people the attorneys are available. We can drive them uh, over toward neighborhood legal services so that those who uh, can't otherwise avoid, you know, those hearings have a real chance uh, at prevailing, uh, you know, uh, and, and coming to a better outcome. And, you know, can, can I interrupt that, for one second? With us, please do. I did, just want, I did just want to add that, like, uh, neighborhood legal services is, you know, before, before they get started. Is, is as critical a partner as any other. I mean, without, you know, there's, there's a number of things that yes, we can do, connect people to resources, other things like that. But if we were not able to work with NLS and connect people to legal assistance, especially when they are at varying stages and, and we're, we're talking, you know, late emergency appeal stages sometimes, they're, they're, the, the folks that they have there, Eileen and Kathy and their whole team are, as good of partners as, as you can come across. So, uh, sorry to interrupt, Kevin. I just wanted to make sure that you know it's 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 exactly what Anne was saying. It's rent help PGH and eviction rapid response. But without NLS, uh, we wouldn't be there either. So, 
Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. And um, they've been fantastic partners. And, and we've been doing things like divvying up which MDJs are having are having cases and, and, you know, working together and comparing notes. And it's, 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 it's been great. Eileen and Kathy. I'm sorry, Crystal. That's okay. Time check 242. Eileen <laughs> and Kathy, um, for those who may not know you, and it's probably few in the crowd, uh, you know, please do introduce yourselves and talk about, uh, you know, your role in this sort of joint project. Uh, I'm Kathy Martin. I'm an attorney with Neighborhood Legal Services. My role in this has been mainly kind of making sure that we as an LSC funded program could do this because I think LSC funded programs, which is, you know, the field programs in Pennsylvania tend to shy away from things um, because we're worried about the LSC restrictions. So um, we, Eileen is the um, substantive person on this project. I've been the uh, administrator and to help it happen. Um, and so, Eileen, maybe you want to uh, briefly talk about what we're doing at the MDJs and I can talk about how we're able to do it. Okay, okay, thank you. So I've been doing housing work and foreclosures and evictions for a very long time now at Legal Services. And for most of the time that I've worked in this program, we have not had, and we still don't have, uh, bear, enough lawyers to handle in Allegheny County, which is a very large area, uh, handle eviction cases at the magistrate offices. And I know that that's a little bit different for the smaller counties, but we generally have not been able to do that. Uh, we're always able to represent uh, uh, not all tenants, but subsidized tenants historically uh, who call our office for legal help and then we will represent them on appeal. But it's been so frustrating that, uh, and I'm sure this is the case for legal services programs around the state, is that you know that even when you do magisterial district court hearings, you, you aren't capturing uh, many of the tenants who are being evicted uh, who would otherwise need legal help. And I see so, I, we've recognized so often how important it is to have a lawyer to prevent eviction because so many of the defenses that can be asserted are, are issues which can never be, which tenants do not know how to assert are complicated, even if we could advise them that this is what you could do, they're, too, they're often very complicated and, and our clients aren't able to, um, um, to uh, present those um, articulately. And so uh, we, there, are, there are way, way too many lawyer uh, tenants in our state, our county who are being evicted just because they don't have legal help when they should not have been evicted. Um, that was certainly before COVID. And as I think probably you all know, um, there is now at least a, a, an actual recognizable movement around the country to uh, develop, to establish the principle of right to counsel in tenant cases and uh, to represent tenants in eviction cases. And um, John Pollock um, in New York, 
the staff was really single-handedly obtained that um, the, the city legislation there to uh, implement that program. The results have been um, overwhelmingly successful there, showing that uh, the numbers of actual evictions have dropped precipitously since they've uh, had lawyers at the courts there to, uh, to represent tenants. They don't wait for the tenants to approach the legal services offices there. And I don't know how the system works, but you know, the lawyers are, are, are there to, um, to represent tenants. And so when this opportunity to get a, a grant came up, we, we thought in our program that we would like to try to expand that to Pennsylvania, but that's you know, no, no money, no, no attorneys for that. So at least we could try Allegheny County and, and use this op opportunity with a grant to create a small pilot program because we have maybe, I think over 60, I don't know how, if anybody knows how many magisterial district courts we have in Allegheny County, I don't know. Uh, 46. 46. 46. Okay. So um, we were able to get a grant to hire temporary lawyers during the COVID money availability, which is through the end of November. Um, and we had to do that very quickly. And um, we weren't, because of that, that was, that's a problem with our program is that we've had to hire, as you all also probably know, there are no lawyers in the state who know anything at all about tenant defense cases except legal services lawyers. And uh, we, we were not able to find lawyers who had that experience. Um, so, but we were able to hire four five lawyers and uh, five law students who in, until school started were available full-time too. And what we decided to do was look for, um, uh, uh, we did it for five different magisterial different district courts in the areas that we serve um, in Allegheny County that we know there are a lot of tenants um, who come to our office. And so we uh, have to hurry. In any event, we've stationed those lawyers and uh, and the law students at those five magisterial district courts and at those, so on the days where we see that they have eviction cases coming, even if we, as those clients have not come to us in advance, we have been able to figure out a, a system with the, with the, um, with the assistance and really, and the, um, and the gratitude of the magisterial district courts who have been very willing to help us um, to approach the tenants and offer our legal services right there. And uh, uh, it's been hectic in the last couple of weeks and it's gonna be hectic and you know, pretty overwhelming, but at least we've gotten the system now going. And since I don't, I don't have any time to, you can call me if you'd like to hear more specifically about that. Um, so I, I put a link to an LSC advisory opinion that was issued in June of this year, um, and that is what we are basing our ability to participate in this and to go to the MDJs, put up a sign, um, and say we are available. And LSC distinguishes between saying lawyers are available, um, that's okay, it's not okay to go up to them and say you should apply for us. I don't think it matters as a practical way. <laughs> if someone sees that a lawyer is available, they, they uh, will start talking about it. Um, just the logistical things, they obviously, we can only represent eligible clients. Um, and so we have to, we 
because we're, we get the information ahead of time. Uh, we run a conflict check before our lawyers go to court so we know if we cannot represent someone. Uh, and we do a very quick um, um, application. Uh, we make them our clients. We can have them sign the retainer right there, sign the attestation, all LSC funded program people will know what I'm talking about, just the paperwork aspects of this, which is important because we've got to comply with those things. So we still do. Um, and I, I think a big help. So we have an intake person standing by when we know lawyers are at the NDJs um, in case there are complications, in case someone had a very common name. So we weren't sure that our conflict check was reliable. Um, so um, there had been a 2016 LSC opinion. Um, so I've been arguing for a while that we should be able to do this. But luckily for me, um, a, another opinion came out in, in June. And, and so we were all able to point to that and say, yes, this authorizes us. Uh, we are providing, because in that LSC opinion, it talks about it's OK to represent an individual if we have initiated contact in person during an ongoing presence in a courthouse. So our take on that was we're not in the courthouse unless we're authorized to be in the courthouse. So we're, we're allowed to do that. So I think that would hold true for any LSC funded program um, and that people should feel uh, more comfortable with doing this kind of thing um, than historically uh, we have been. So I, I don't think there's any problem with it. Um, I'm a 30, 30, 40 seconds to say this. The, the coordination that we're doing with these other, with the community groups is this. We, we don't have the time um, to help people with the application processes for all of the different rental assistance. And we don't have uh, sufficient resources to help with other sorts of social services that these tenants might need. Um, and so that's how we're coordinating. We refer our clients to the Pittsburgh Navigate, the Rent Help Pittsburgh Navigators, and uh, for that help. So, and and then they get uh, they get the they get priority because we're referring them, and reciprocally, uh, when the navigators see a case that needs legal attention, uh, then they will refer they refer that those cases to us, and we will handle them. So that's how we're working together. If I may say very quickly, uh, the Hispanic Corporation has four navigators that are bilingual. And 90% uh, of what we have been doing basically has been in Spanish. So obviously, uh, without our help uh, in Spanish, we would not have been able to help people and complete applications and do provide all the assistance that is being referred in this uh, workshop. And to that point, you know, that's why it's so important for us to expand our table, you know, of allies and people who we work with, because not, not one of us, you know, can get done what we together can get done. Um, you know, and it's, it's a really eye-opening and rewarding experience, uh, you know, to work on things that are a little bit outside of the box, that are intentional, uh, uh, that we are building and are trying to be proactive with, uh, you know, to identify the outcomes and goals that we have, uh, you know, and work together toward that. Um, you know, I've always uh, said everybody, every person I've ever met, I think is smart. <laughs> the world's full of smart people. They might be crooks and cheaters and everything else. But, uh, you know, when you pull together a good team, 
you know, it, it's the synergy that happens is totally real. I mean, it is a real thing. Everyone's work is amplified, you know, by the people who you bring together with you. Um, you know, and there must be a limit to that, but we're not close to that limit yet. You know, this group here today, we're trying to reach out and pull in all of the other community groups who we have relationships with and who we know have something else to bring to the table. You know, because our broader goals have to do with, you know, campaigns in the city and county, with uh, preventing eviction, with affordable housing, with right to counsel. Uh, and it, it opens up different kinds of work for us, you know, legal aid attorneys, uh, you know, and LSC or non-LSC funded, you know, so much of what we're doing, you know, together as a group here is, can be replicated uh, in there, but it is different work. I think it is, you know, different than what a lot of, you know, folks out in the counties, uh, you know, deal with, you know, we've, CJP has been blessed to be able to work with attorneys across the state. I mean, we've co-counseled cases, consulted on cases for years and years, uh, uh, particularly in, you know, housing cases, but in some other cases too. Um, and I know if you're, you know, the single attorney in the county dealing with all of the evictions, okay, you're the person <laughs> who needs to identify those community groups in the area. You know, who can you pull to a table? Who can you coalesce with, you know, to strategize together and figure out how to do more uh, you know, with the time that you have. Um, I see we have five minutes left and we reserved a little bit of time at the end for questions. Let's see, Carol has something she wants to add to. Uh, and so uh, let's, let's, let me look in our chat. I, I don't well, see any questions sitting here waiting for us. So Carol, let me give the microphone to you. Okay. I'm so sorry, Carol, if, this is Kelly. If I could just launch the second poll for CLE credit, it'll be up for two minutes for attorneys and then feel free to continue. Thank you. Go ahead, Ms. Carroll. Okay, I, I just need to get that. <laughs> um, I just wanted to reiterate what everyone said. I know I spoke about right to counsel and, you know, um, mainly because me and Swain um, partnered like two years ago and folks were telling me and Swain, you can't have that. You can't do that. You can't. So... And then, you know, I kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And then, of course, I always collaborate with Ann and we work on projects around redlining and displacement. And then I work directly with residents. So I hold their hand all the way to the magistrate's office and we'll wait there, right? Uh, what I call Carol's way of uh, writing case briefs, <laughs> as lawyers know, and they're like, are you a lawyer? And I'm like, no, but I mean, I took classes in school and law all relates to law. But if you, you know, find the right law, you can write your ticket. So what I want to say is, um, although, you know, I haven't been so successful with right to counsel, not at this moment, but I'm so happy with this rapid response because, you know, me and Ann, talk one day and I said my dream is to the people that I work with since I'm guiding them anyway is to have a system and just you know wrap it around everything that's going on because a lot of our residents 
they they need help and guidance to even getting their children prepared for school. This was way before COVID. And, you know, getting their kids ready for school, getting um, their family food, whatever it may be, paying utilities. We have a lot of parents now that they just don't have that um, or no one to look up to, um, to guide them. So I'm just so happy with the way this is going, but I'm just hoping that we can connect it all the way around because I know a lot of um, legal folks that I talk to, they may be housing lawyers, but then sometimes I have residents, they need expungement with criminal backgrounds. And then, you know, I may have some residents, they're homeowners, and they inherited houses that I, and they're trying to um, work out a, what is it? Um, I can't even think. Um, when you can't, like a 